Hello, and welcome to episode 254 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. A warm welcome to Nina C., Dan D., and Greg C. to The Modern Manager community. Did you know that members get access to dozens of special offers like free coaching calls, book giveaways, worksheets, and PDFs that aren't available to the public, and more? Each of my guests provides something special to members to help them implement the lessons that they're sharing on the show. And for $15 a month, you get access to them, including past offers, many of which are worth hundreds of dollars. Think of membership as your all-access pass to resources from thought leaders and experts on all things management. To get in on these amazing offers at a fraction of their true cost, go to themodernmanager.com join. Today's guest is Mia Russell. Mia has served in various roles across nonprofit, academic, and corporate sectors. Currently, as a lecturer at the Center for Leadership Education at Johns Hopkins University, she teaches leadership and management courses, and her research focuses on the sustainability of well-being, specifically family economic well-being and career work-related well-being. Mia and I talk about how the expectations around work are changing. We touch on quiet quitting, what employers or bosses can reasonably ask of their people, and how all of this is tied to burnout and the need to create a healthy balance in life. Plus, we get into a whole lot more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Mia. I have been thinking about and starting to talk about the ways that people are showing up differently and maybe how managers are misinterpreting behavior in the workplace. And I feel like you're actually the right person I should be having this conversation with. So I'm just going to throw it all at you and hopefully we'll have some fun and get to some, some good meat and help me at least get some clarity about how expectations in the workplace are changing. So thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me today, Mamie. I'm happy to be here. All right. So let me lay out kind of what I'm seeing and hearing. And then you tell me if you're seeing and hearing the same things. And if so, kind of how are you interpreting? And if not, what is it that you're seeing and hearing? So there was a quiet quitting thing going on for a little while. It was very popular in the media. And I remember reading about it and just being like, this doesn't make sense to me. I am not so much seeing people quite quitting. What I'm seeing and hearing from clients is that there's really three things that are happening. One is that post-pandemic and with younger generations, they are just not interested in working more than 40 hours a week. They're perfectly happy in their job and they're perfectly happy to do what's asked of them but they just aren't going to go above and beyond and stretch themselves so thin. Like they are avoiding burnout culture. And that's not quite quitting. That's just doing the job under a new set of what I think maybe are appropriate boundaries. Then there's a second group that is, again, not quite quitting, but they're like, I have this other thing that I'm really passionate about. I have a side gig. I have this vision for a business I want to build or something else. And I'm going to put all of my kind of real creative energies into those things. So I'm happy to have this stable job. And I'm going to do what's asked of me. And I'm going to work my 40 hours a week. But if I have extra energy, if I have extra time, I'm not going to put that into my day job. I'm going to put that into building this other thing, which may or may not ever become something big and independent where I can actually quit and go. But 
it's still the thing that I'm really invested in. And so that's where all my extra time and extra energy goes. And then there's the third group, which I guess you could say is the quiet quitting, which is I'm really unhappy here. And so I'm not going to try very hard. I'm going to just do the bare minimum and I'm going to figure out what I'm doing next. I might not even be actively looking for another job, but I'm just also not actively trying to keep this job. I'm just kind of like floating by because it's it I it's not this isn't the right place for me, but I also am not ready yet to totally jump ship. So those are the three kind of categories that I'm seeing. And I'm wondering if you're seeing something similar or something different. No, I I totally agree with you. I would say as I understand quiet quitting, it really is that first group that you talked about with employees. Sometimes they might be younger employees or newer to the workforce, but employees creating boundaries. I don't think of quiet quitting or that entire phenomenon around people that are dissatisfied at work, perhaps unengaged at work, but they are doing the job and they're saying, hey, I'm only going to do the job. I know that the this current, this newer generation entering the workforce is second largest in terms of size as compared to the baby boomers. And they likely have seen their parents and guardians and other adults in their lives work to the extreme, right? I think a lot of this is in, in some ways a badge of honor. We are proud to talk about, kind of in American society, we are proud to talk about how busy we are, how many things we have going on, how we're trying to just juggle it. I mean, without judging it, right? I know I've done it myself. You don't really mean to do this, and this is not the way that you want to live, but it is a part of our conversation. I meet someone at the gym, and she's like, well, how busy is your week this (laughs) How busy is your week? Right. And so that's how we start a conversation. And I think the pandemic created an opportunity for people to rethink work, rethink their relationship with work. And I agree with you. That's the types of things that we are seeing. We are seeing people establish better boundaries. We are seeing people want to pursue totally different lines of work. And we're also seeing people pour energy, time, and effort into things that they'd like to try out, even if it isn't going to be the next big thing, right? So in that way, I do think the pandemic has cast a a different light on how we work and how we engage with work. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it seems to be a little bit challenging and kind of maybe a hard pill to swallow for managers or business leaders who are used to the pre-pandemic style where you really could almost like squeeze out the the most from each person and yeah. and you know doing it with kindness and framing in a way of like we we love people who go above and beyond and like we strive for excellence in everything and so it was never framed as like, we're going to exploit every minute that you have. Right, right. But it was framed in a way that was like, this is what the job takes. And we all go all hands on deck and we get the job done. And now, like, we don't I don't think we can really do that anymore. And I guess like it, it seems like this is a place where managers have to figure out for themselves, right, if you have your own boss who's kind of pushing down on you and saying, like, you need to drive your people harder. You need to get more out of them. You need to move faster. What can managers do to 
protect their team and themselves to be able to say, yeah, working 40 to 50 hours a week, like that's enough. And we're not going to push ourselves to burnout. It's like the the protection from the burnout that can come from trying to go back to that overloaded work environment that I don't think we can go back to. Yeah, I think it, I mean, this time, right? I mean, today, and I guess really since 2020, it's allowed me to think about how I work and also a lot of the research that has come out or come from an organizational development perspective reminds us that our traditional workday is centuries old, right? And so we are not, the vast majority of us are not doing manual or repetitive work. We are knowledge workers. And so it is it is important for managers to really think about, like individualize the work for their employees and their teams, right? And so when you think about employees that are creating kind of intellectual creatives, when is the best time for them to do that? That They cannot produce for eight hours straight. And so I, I think it's incumbent upon managers to really understand what's needed of employees kind of, and what is needed of what is required for the job. And to find a healthy balance where we can leverage skills and strengths while also meeting kind of business mandates. I think in and in the same way, they should be looking and thinking about what their needs are and how they can best leverage their strengths so that we are not promoting burnout or fostering burnout in the work environment, but we're really improving engagement, right? We want everyone wants meaningful work. We know that work is a a source of pride in most people's lives. And so while we know we need money to live, right, it is also important for people to have an opportunity to find purpose and meaning, perhaps even happiness. And a lot of this is derived through work. So I think it's incumbent upon managers to think broadly and creatively around how do I provide opportunities for my people, my team, to have meaningful experiences that are contributing to our business imperatives. Yeah, I mean, the shift from get the job done to meaningful engagement is not, that's not always an easy one to make. I'm wondering if you have some suggestions or some stories of clients that you've worked with who have made that kind of shift with their team members. Well, I think the the first thing that I would say about that is some of this is about motivation. And so certainly we can talk about ways that leaders and managers can help increase motivation, but it's also about awareness, really understanding what might be impacting employees and what to look out for. So I'll start with thinking about motivation. What we do know, what what we know from the research is that control has a major impact on motivation. And so this idea of helping people understand the things that they can control both at work and at home has been helpful. Also, these are not groundbreaking, but just reminders, right? Also thinking about celebrating small wins, right? And goal accomplishment. Um, If we think about all the things that we need to do, oftentimes they're these big items, but there are lots of incremental steps along the way. And I think celebrating those 
and also recognizing progress is important. Helping people to define purpose in their work, providing them opportunities to kind of realize goals personally and professionally. Again, tying to individual strengths, I think is important. We often hire people and they may have other skills suited or best suited in other ways, other jobs, other roles, other functions. I think providing opportunities for them to kind of have the best of both worlds helps to foster motivation, helps to inspire and engage people. Encouraging micro breaks. I know that pre-pandemic, there are several organizations that would pay employees for not taking time off. Right. That did not encourage breaks or vacation. And so encouraging and modeling that you take time off or you take breaks, I think, is really important. Also thinking about the environment, the actual work environment. What are ways that, you know, perhaps you can incorporate nature into the workspace? You can make sure that there's adequate lighting. There are things like this that are known to increase motivation. I also talked about really understanding burnout. And I like to remind all managers and leaders that if their team experiences burnout, it isn't really their fault, but they do have responsibility. The reality is that no one is immune from burnout. Some research says that two thirds of the workforce report uh, increased work-related pressures, increasing job demands, feeling overextended, you know, all of these negative outcomes associated with work. And I know the World Health Organization also said that one in every four workers globally will at some time in their lives experience burnout. So no one's really immune from burnout. I know personally, you, you asked about a story. I think about as a mother and uh, wife and faculty member and doing some leadership and management consulting, of course, like like many others, I've been challenged with work-related stress and probably it's safe to say work-life balance much of my adult life. You know, in ways I've enjoyed many of my roles, sometimes too much, which made it hard to detach from work. And that is also a sign that could be a slippery slope towards burnout. When we think about burnout and the three elements of it, you can be so absorbed in your work that it's hard to detach. And while getting lost in your work or experiencing that state of flow that we often kind of rally around, when it's accompanied by extended periods of demanding or all-consuming work, it can be overwhelming. So I think this is one reason why I actually started researching burnout. <laughs> it's kind of slightly ironic, but it helps me to better understand, right? And I, my story, I'm sure you have different stories about having challenges with work. I think many of us do. And in some ways, this is kind of the challenge for today's manager to support their employees holistically, because we know what happens at work affects home and what happens at home affects work. Although we might not be able to control it, there are still things that we can do to be supportive of our teammates. And by doing that, taking a holistic approach, we can reverse kind of burnout that people are feeling. Yeah. I mean, you just said so many things that I want to pull back up on. So the first is this idea of motivation. And I've been learning a lot about motivation over the years. And the connection between motivation and burnout, I think, is so fascinating because we can have all the motivation in the world. But if we are 
exhausted physically, mentally, emotionally, no amount of motivation is going to get us to do good work, right? Like you can't you can't rely on the motivation when you are just at that stage of burnout. So we need to make sure that our team members, to your point, are not getting to that place of burnout. And then we can do all these other things to increase motivation. And that can be connecting to purpose, as you said, creating the right work environment, giving people control, suiting the job to their their skill sets, all those great things. The second thing I want to pick up on that you just said is we're trying to avoid creating environments of burnout. And that's mm-hmm. not right. And that burnout's not good for anybody. It doesn't allow you to do your best work. And that sometimes I think what we're what we're hearing is that we have to actually sometimes do a little less. And that's also okay that we have to kind of get more comfortable going back to your comment about being busy that we are we so many of us pride ourselves on having a jam-packed schedule and feeling busy even if intellectually we know that's not the right thing somehow we still get that little like feel good burst of like i'm important i'm doing all these things i have so many responsibilities so many people need me and that we need to start to shift our mindset around Doing 40 hours a week maximum for your job is great. Not having a jam-packed schedule and needing to work on the nights and weekends and miss out with your kids is great. And detaching yourself from work to take vacation is great. And that's, for some folks, they're like, thank goodness, I'm finally able to do that when I it can be acceptable and I don't have to feel bad that I've been wanting to do this for so long. And for other folks, that's a real stretch to let go of work, to maybe disappoint their boss because they didn't get everything done that night because they chose to take a pause, right? It it feels like that can be like a heavy mental lift. So I'm wondering when we kind of go back to this space of, of avoiding burnout, that if a lot of what we're seeing with quiet quitting and just the workplace in general is really an approach that says we're tired of burnout. We saw what happened to previous generations. We don't want that to keep happening to us. Life is bigger than that. What are some of the things that individuals can do if they're feeling like their boss isn't paying enough attention to that and they want to create better boundaries and they want to do it in a way that doesn't feel yucky and and sneaky and bad or they're going to get punished for, but in a way that says, hey, I'm, I'm creating some boundaries in my life and I, I think this is the good thing. How can people go about doing that and having that conversation with their boss? Yeah, so I like the way you frame this. And I guess I want to respond in a couple of ways. <laughs> First, I'll say, we, um, my co-author and I, in writing this book, we struggled with this idea of what should the individual employee do? Because we firmly believe it's the organization's responsibility to reduce work environment factors that promote burnout. And so I say that because organizations and leaders have the kind of span of control, have the organizational power to affect many of the things, most of the things that are occurring in the work environment. And so we don't like the idea that the responsibility of burnout is shifted to employees. And so we can also talk about what we think organizations can do, right? However, there will be times where you are in an environment when you aren't being supported and you need to do something to 
make the environment and these interactions bearable. So I say all this to say we actually wrote one chapter and dedicated it to strategies that people can use to do things like create better boundaries or create boundaries and embrace self-care strategies. And in fact, as we were writing the book, we had managers and leaders, because this, of course, came kind of, we were able to write this during the pandemic and interviewing managers and leaders, many of them said, it's really hard trying to support my team when I'm experiencing burnout myself. Mm. And so that did not get lost on us. So we did talk about how do we do self audits? How do we find out what's working and what isn't for us? How do we really embrace self-care and and self-compassion, right? I actually think a good piece of advice is to answer a question or offer some advice or an opinion to yourself as you would to a friend. We are so kind and supportive to people, to our friends and our loved ones, but sometimes we can beat up on ourselves. And so when we think about what self-compassion really means, we have practiced that with others. And so that is one thing that we do say. In terms of really embracing self-care, we think about it. Many of the people that are kind of in this space, experiencing burnout or on the brink of it, we think work hard, play hard that they should recharge the way that they want and need to, but also to make it a priority. And so again, not suggestions that we haven't heard before, but I'm a proponent of of pre-planning vacations or time, my downtime, before I plan anything else, whether that's an annual, quarterly, or monthly basis. We use our calendars and our calendars should support our entire lives. I think in the... And a lot of our work was focused on a socio-ecological model where we look at kind of three elements to the employee and the organization, both organizational factors, job-related factors, and personal factors. We think it could be helpful to think about your life that way, kind of what are the things that are working or not in, in the organization in which you are employed, specifically with the job and then in your personal life. And really, once you identify what's working and what isn't, you it, it helps you to prioritize your work, perhaps set boundaries. It may help you think about how you want to plan your time. We also talk a lot about values-based decisions. We often say things are important, but we don't necessarily live or act as though those things are important. And so taking time to Truly identify what is important to you. What are those skills and talents you want to continue to work on? What do you value? It allows you to see kind of your entire life, right? Including your work life more clearly and brings more clarity to some of the decisions that you make. But ultimately, it's about gathering all this information and then really taking control of the way you want to work, right? We talked about purpose and we talked about meaningful work. But focusing on the meaning that we derive from work and thinking about if if we haven't learned anything from the pandemic, it's that we can do things differently, throw it all on the walls and start over, right? And so thinking about how your work life has to be or what you have to do, kind of rethinking those things, I think are is is very important and allows us to embrace and prioritize a a better work-life balance and a 
kind of a, a work life worth living. Yeah, I love the suggestion of thinking about your values and how you're making decisions in terms of how you spend your time in alignment with your values. And that feels like a really fruitful space to be able to go to your boss and say, you know, I love my job. I'm, I love working with this team. I'm, I'm, you know, I hope I'm really doing really great work. And I've been thinking a lot and I feel like I am not having enough time at home in the evenings with my family, which is really important to me. I'm spending so much time in the evenings back on work trying to get things finished because there's just so much to do. And I'm just I feel like this isn't sustainable. Like it's I'm I'm not feeling like I'm really able to be able to do my best work and stay stay in the work for for so long. And I'm wondering if you can help me figure out how to readjust my workload so that I can do really great work during the workday and I can have that space in the evenings to be with my family and to rejuvenate so I can come in the next morning raring to go. Like it feels like mm-hmm. that's using your values and using the the I'm I'm leaning or I'm moving towards burnout and I don't want that to happen because I know that that's not good for me or for the organization. Right, finding the the way to open that conversation with your boss hopefully grounds it in something real and true for you and gives you a starting point to have a conversation that might otherwise feel awkward. It probably still feels awkward, but maybe feel a little less awkward because you're not coming in saying, I have too much work. You know, you're you're coming in and saying, this, what's happening right now, I'm happy to work occasionally late nights or weekends, but I can't do it all the time. That just isn't working for me. So let's figure this out together. And if I'm, you know, and as a manager, I'm trying to imagine if my teamers came to me, I'd be like, great. Like, I don't want that for you either. Like that doesn't feel like the right thing. And so hopefully your boss will be receptive. And I guess if you are a boss and your team members come to you with that, hopefully you'll be receptive and be able to really work with them to figure out how to optimize their roles so that you can get the best work out of them for that sustained period of time. Yeah, I I agree. But I also think it's critical to remember, especially for your listeners that are either want to have that conversation or want to create an environment where their, their team can come talk to them. I think trust is foundational in this, right? And psychological safety. People have to feel like they can, you will be open and responsive. And so it may take modeling that. It may take opening lines of communication around kind of values and how you're working and how it is or isn't working. I think that's a really important part of this because there are, I know there are many employees that might not have the courage Mm -hmm. to go to a manager and talk about, here's how I really would like to be, right? Here's how I would, these are the things that are important to me. And I'm trying to find, navigate this and I need your support. That might be a hard conversation to many, for many to have. Yes, yes, yes. So letting our team members know that they can come and talk to us, role modeling, as you said, and even letting them know that we don't expect them to work so hard, right? And when they do come mm-hmm. to us, not feeling bad about the way we were making them work before or kind of taking it as an affront that they're not willing to work harder, right? Like we have our own work to do on how we create that psychological safety for sure. All right. Well, unfortunately, we are running out of time. So can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? 
Sure. I think uh, I try to be fast on this. I've had several great managers, but one I just actually talked about and it brought me to tears. So I'll talk about her again, but I'll try not to cry today. (laughs) So um, one of my, my very first manager who we are still friends to this day, her name was Michelle. And she pushed me beyond my perceived limits. That wasn't always fun. (laughs) It wasn't always fun. But as I look back, I learned so much and it was a good opportunity. When I think about anything that I could have wanted to try, do, think about, she was supportive of it, but she had such a high bar, right? This might be where some of my work ethic comes from and why I might even not have a a strong turnoff switch. I'm learning to, instead of off and on, I'm trying to have a demo, but she was just supportive and challenged me in 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 a way that like I grew personally and professionally from it. And I think that if I ever have the, if I can ever influence people in that way that they think that they became better people because of my in like my influence and our interactions, that I would feel like that was a uh, life well lived. So I think those are the biggest things that she did. I mean, uh, always knowing that if I made mistakes or if if I failed, that we learned from it. It was a very psychologically safe environment. Well, before that was a a cool term to use. (laughs) But I will always be thankful to her for the kind of the the push, truly the, the true push beyond my perceived capabilities and limits. Amazing. Love that. And where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book and all that great stuff? Yes. So they can learn more about me. I primarily am on social media via LinkedIn at Mia Baytop Russell, B-A-Y-T-O-P. I can, they can email me at Mia Russell. Um, I'm sorry, Mia B. Russell at gmail.com. And our website is available at thinkfiredup.com. Our books can be purchased from all major retailers, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, et cetera. Um, so yes, I'd love to connect with any of your listeners and truly feel free to message me on LinkedIn or send me an email directly. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Mia. Really a pleasure to speak with you today. Thanks so much for having me. Mia is offering a private 30-minute call to five members of the Modern Manager community to help them each identify strategies to reduce organizational factors that promote burnout. In addition, during your private call, Mia will help you brainstorm ideas to improve your team performance and engagement. These calls are only available to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team. I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player 
and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.